Welcome to the Book Snarks Podcast, where hosts Crystal and Heidi talk about the books that keep us all up at night. Welcome to the Book Snarks Podcast. We are so excited you're here. We are talking about Iron Flame, and we are covering this book in not one, not two, but three episodes. This first episode, a deep dive into the first half of the book. We are talking all the ups, all the downs, all the laughs, all the cries, all the hints. All the little details that we may have missed in the first read. And we are so excited you're here. Rebecca Yaris did a great job on this book. We got to give a spoiler warning. Iron Flame, Fourth Wing, Rebecca Yaris interviews, bonus chapters. It's all up for grabs. If you haven't read, please come back when you have. I also want to give a shout out to Fantasy Fangirls Podcast. They're also covering this book right now and they're doing an amazing job per usual. And if you love this book, you should listen to them as well. Also want to ask to please share our podcast. If you love listening to us chat about books, which I hope you do, please share. Follow us on social media. Tell friends about us. And with that, let's get into the first part of Iron Flame. Here we go. Let's just start with chapter one's epigraph, Heidi. First epigraph. In this, the 628th year of our unification, it is hereby recorded that Arisha has been burned by dragon in accordance with the treaty ending the separatist movement. Those who fled survived and those who did not remain entombed in their ruins. Transcribed by Sorella Neilwart. So important things to note in regards to this epigraph. We know that Sorella Neilwart is some relation to Jacinia. We don't know who she is. Could be mom, aunt, sister. I personally lean towards sister because it's not that far removed. The timing of it, it very well could be a sibling. It still could be a mom. She could be. She could and be she old. could be like very established in the scribe quadrant. However, I feel like... Any family of Jacinia that's been around for a while has already started to unravel some things such, like just like Jacinia has. So that's all I'll say. I don't I feel like it's a closer relation than mom or aunt, but that's my personal opinion. A little bit of book math. Okay. We know that Fourth Wing started six years after Aresha was burned. So present day, it's safe to assume that Iron Flame is in 634th or 635th year post-unification, year of our unification. Yep, that's good math. And this was the ending of the rebellion. The 628th year must have been the end of the rebellion because that's when Arisha was burned. Sorella. So we get a new name in the first epigraph of the book. And let's start. Let's start summary. Chapter one, we start our journey with Violet, the gang. After the Battle of Rustin, they're in the Ryerson house, which is in Arisha, and it's described several times in the book as being an indestructible fortress. Brennan is there with a new name, a Sari, a new title, Lieutenant Colonel of the Revolution, mm-hmm. not the uh, Rebellion, very... the Revolution, and he's got a mysterious rune. It's an important distinction that, important, that right? they are calling it a revolution and not a rebellion. Like they just want to change the world and not rebel and like against it. what's currently happening. Totally. Words matter. Mysterious rune on his palm. He's not talking about that just got a like a brief mention, but I don't think it was a throwaway line. I think it means something. So and of course, he dodges all the questions we have about this. Uh, So the gang's all there. Violet is healed. Everybody's good. 
besides who we yes. lost in Resson, of course. Yes. We won't go there just yet, but here we are. Going on to chapter two, another epigraph that's epic. Uh, it is the valley above Ryerson House, heated by natural thermal thermal energy that is its greatest asset. For there lie the original hatching grounds of the Dubmadin line, from which two of the greatest dragons of our time, Kodak and Tern, descend. From Colonel Kaori. Don't come for me in my pronunciations, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to butcher a whole bunch. Oh, me too. Me too. That's the that's the thing with the written word. You just yeah. pronounce it the way you pronounce it. Okay. I think this epigraph's very, very important. We'll get to it in the theories episode as to really why I think it's important. So I'm just teasing that Mark right it. now. Bookmarked. Chapter two brings us some new characters. We have the assembly, whose members include Brennan and Zayden, as well as some, some five new faces, some not so warm on Violet. Not so yeah. happy she's around. And we get some hints about how the dragons are, the, I'm sorry, how the daggers are made with luminaries, which are forging devices that burn alloy hot enough to make them. And I think Definitely. that's also an important uh, yes. setup for the rest of the book. After the assembly meeting breaks up, Brennan and Violet kind of get a chance to finally actually talk in private and we get kind of a quick info dump from Brennan that I think is important to talk about. He tells her about how they've been fighting the Venom, the Wyvern are kind of a new development. They've only been fighting him for a couple of months. We learn that he conveniently forgot everything their dad ever taught them and read to them, apparently. Violet tells him the Wyvern are made by the Venom by channeling power into the Wyvern. She reminds him that that's how, or she tells him that that's how she killed the wyvern and Resin. I just have to point out that our guy Liam is the one who told Violet in the midst of that battle that that is how you take down the wyvern. He knew. He was in the heat of that last battle. Day was fighting for her life. Liam is on the back of Taryn with Violet, having just killed a dark wielder. He tried to tell her. Quote, we have to take out the riders. She says, I know we will. He starts to say, no, I mean that the, and he never got to finish that sentence. Tarn, we all and we went. All <laughs> yes. cried ourselves to sleep. He helped to the very end. Yeah. She figured R. it out P. pretty quickly after that. Moment of silence. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Moving back into Arisha, the Ryerson house. Zayden mentions yet another new character, Viscount Takaris, and we get an impression about him that they aren't buddies like Zayden is not warm on this Viscount fella and I think we know for certain at this point this is not the first time we're going to hear about the Viscount Takaris he was he was brought up very early on oh and Coda and Taryn are from the hatching ground just like uh, the epitaph said and I think that's important that the thermal energy piece of hatching grounds is kind of a reoccurring theme in the book the revolution has been busy fighting Venon, Dark Wilders, for a while. And fun fact, we learned there are two varieties of Venon, the Blue Fire and the Green Fire. So two varieties of Wyvern are being created, the Green and the Blue Fire. I don't know how Dark Wilders are actually creating fire themselves, if they are, but we do know for sure that the Wyvern make, some make Green Fire, some make Blue Fire, so it's logical to assume that it's coming from a specific Venon. I don't know. Like the yeah. Venon that are creating them? 
That's a good distinction to point out, though. Are they creating their own fire? Venom? I think that they can't. I mean, I don't... I, I If some of them are fire wielders, yeah. I think they have powers okay. just like writers do. I don't remember that. I don't know. That's. A, I mean, that's a good question. Side note, the box that they found in Resin was destroyed. But was it the box with Liam's family sigil? I don't know. Or was it some other box? It doesn't really specify, I don't think. Yeah, but I'm same. just assuming it was. But we also know that Dane's dad was setting lures for the venom. So maybe it was like a lure box that he set there that called them to resin. That's what I'm assuming. Daddy mm. Atos is It's super just the lame. start. So we also catch wind that there are two more black dragons that hatched in the last year. And I think it was mentioned on purpose because I don't really think Rebecca Yaros does anything just willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. She's not just going to throw in useless... She's very purposeful with her words. Sentences. And in this longest <laughs> book ever, she's every sentence matters. <laughs> we know that tales are a matter of choice and need, mm-hmm. which is super cool, which means potentially they chose their own tales. Like Andarna chose her own tail. Taryn yes. chose his own tail. Starf- starfish? <laughs> is his tail? Yeah. His tail? Starfish, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was something. It's a star something. What is it? Star club tale. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> to Google another day. Another fun fact. The first dragon that decided to bond humans are the ones that form the Empyrean. I thought this was cool because it's not just yes. all dragons in the Empyrean. It's only bonded dragons yes. that form the Empyrean. Back to Arisha. The assembly is in hot discussion about whether or not to let Violet and crew go back to Vazgaeth. Zayden puts an end to the conversation and says, look, I'm in charge. I'm in charge here. I'm not just, it's not just the Ryerson house. He's, he's kind of a big deal in the whole revolution, which was cool to learn. We also learned that something killed off Venon 600 years ago, but we don't know what yet. Of course we don't know. Why would we know? If we knew what, then it, (laughs) why would we know? And then on to chapter three, alas, gang heads back to Bazgayeth. Zayden has a plan. They're going back to Bazgayeth. It's all going to be okay. But Zayden conveniently tries to renegotiate his deal with Violet that he really only has to tell her personal secrets, not like big picture secrets about the larger revolution, which I think is just bullshit. It's conditional. Yeah, it's conditional and it's too soon. Yeah, at this point in the book. I need you to do better. Be better, Zayden. You're letting us down. So we're all kind of mad at him for that at this point in the book. In chapter three, we're like, fuck that, fuck that, Zayden, fuck that. And Andarna is back in Q. black. ACDC. <laughs> she, yes. Uh, she's now in her sassy teenager era, which we love to see. And she is pulling out all the stops, annoying and testing our favorite mm-hmm. curmudgeon dragon, Taryn, in it's every fantastic. way she possibly can. And <laughs> it's so awesome. Oh, gosh. Their first stop when they get back to Vazgaeth is Liam's room to retrieve some letters. And we all collectively sob and miss Liam yet again. She leaves Liam's room and runs right into Rhiannon. And similar to the scene at Parapet, Violet goes completely against Zayden's advice and decides to just trust Rhiannon blindly with the letters that she retrieved, which I love about Violet. She trusts her gut like 90% of the time and I... I love it. We like Rhiannon. (laughs) Uh, On to chapter four. And not 30 minutes later, they are walking into graduation. And they are being named on the death roll as they walk in. Like, talk about (laughs) an entrance. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh goodness. But a happy reunion for Violet Squad, at least. Everybody yes. is thrilled to see them. And going on to chapter five, Heidi. On to chapter five. Epigraph is, after three consecutive deaths of prisoners during his interrogations, it is command's opinion that Major Burton Verish should be reassigned from an active wing until further notice. Missive from Lieutenant Colonel DeGressi, Samara Outpost to General Melgren. Things to note. <laughs> Verish gets moved and they thought it would be a good idea to send him to a, a school where people are, basically kids are learning <laughs> how to survive and they send a guy who's killed three people through interrogations like why was this the best choice it is important to note though that yeah. he's being moved from samara because it's just is such plays as such an important role we will get into that later but it's got to be noted samara's a thing we're going to talk about but also to note varish is teaching interrogation he's teaching the thing that he kills people with. like he just in Truths himself on the teaching because Grady is the one teaching that course. There's a new professor that's te actually teaching that course. That's right. And Varish mm -hmm. considers it his specialty, quote unquote, and he just inserts himself into all of the interrogating part. Like, you lost your credibility, bro. Bye. Whoever's in charge Him. of that decision. He's the vice common. I mean, it's his, he made that choice. <laughs> well, whoever uh, was in charge of yes. putting Varish in the school. Panchek, probably. Maybe Milgren. All right, but it gets better because Lilith, Violet's mom, and Colonel Atos, Dane's dad, who orchestrated the whole war games and battle at Resin with the intention of getting Zayden and crew killed, by the way, that's Dane's dad, they approach Zayden and Violet to get some answers. And this is where we learn that Lilith is not quite the villain, not quite the villain <laughs> that we're making her out to be, and is kind of appalled that Colonel Atos did that and in the war games. And... Lilith has plans for him like right away and ships him off. He gets stationed to a coastal outpost and removed from Vazgaeth. Unfortunately, in his place, we get Major Varish, who is very clearly out to get Violet and all the marked riders that were at the Battle of Resin. Daddy Atos makes it very clear in his ominous little threat, secrets make for poor leverage. They die with the people who keep them. Dun, dun, dun. I don't like this threat. We are just coming off of Zayden talking about all of his secrets and making Violet ask specific questions. And I don't like the secrets make for poor leverage. So give them up, Zayden. But also they die with the people who keep them. And that's I just, that's, there's so many reasons that I don't like that threat in the midst of all of Zayden's secret keeping. Agreed. <laughs> and much to our collective chagrin, we learn that Zayden, Violet, Taryn, and Sigail will only be seeing each other once every seven days. That's it. And we just all scream. I screamed it in my pillow at this, at this point. No. And Taryn, like literally, he roared so loud that it rattled Violet's brain. So, you know, he's pissed. Nobody no. can keep him from his girl. All right, we're landing on chapter six. Enter the tense goodbye between Zayden and Violet, where she still does not trust him. And we're all a little mm -hmm. mad at him, to be honest. But he stands his ground. He's not going to tell her everything she deserves to know. It's still very clear that they love each other. Okay, and who doesn't love love? I love love. I love, love. We love love. We're, we're going to let it slide for now. <laughs> Zayden leaves Violet reeling. We are all, we're all reeling too. Enter in our favorite best friend, Rhiannon, who reveals the news that she is our new squad leader. And her first order to the squad? Live. Do not die, people. I would have been mad if it wasn't her. Me too. Totally. Chapter 7. Epigraph. All tome requests at the archives of Bezgaeth must be recorded and filed. 
Any cadet who fails to do so will be reported for dereliction of duty, as well as punished for the loss of any text they failed to accurately track. From Colonel Daxton, Guide to Excelling in the Scribe Quad. Yes. Uh, this is important because this goes back to fourth wing. Justinia was not recording things checked out by Violet last year, and it's foreshadowing into that trend just growing <laughs> big time because they're checking texts out weekly and Justinia never records them. So we love Justinia for it. All right. Chapter seven takes us to our first little tidbit of information about Nolan, the mender, who is just too busy to help anybody. He's exhausted. We don't understand why yet, but it's mentioned so much that you know it's, it's of course not a mistake. And where's Andarna? Oh, well, she's sleeping in the dreamless sleep, as they call it, so she can grow and develop. So we don't get a lot of Not her, <laughs> unfortunately. But we do meet Professor Grady, who teaches, you mentioned him earlier, he teaches writer survival course, a.k.a. RSC, a.k.a. you're going to get kidnapped, tortured, and interrogated class. <laughs> and Violet is stressed. She is stressed. And we don't get a good feeling about this either. Violet's like, I got knowledge that I don't want to share you're about to beat me to get it yes. out of me, basically. Good news, though. It wasn't Lilith, we learn. She certainly didn't recall the storm, which maybe she could have. She didn't. But she didn't create the storm when Violet first crossed Parapet. So... Yeah, there's a conversation between Violet, Rhee, and Nadine when they're discussing the weather at conscription day. And Nadine says specifically, you'd have thought your mother would have left off the storm last year considering you were crossing. Violet says, clearly you don't know my mother. Like, she wouldn't have called in a storm because that would be cowardly. And she sure as hell wouldn't save me. At least we can put that theory to bed. Then, in true Violet fashion, she goes against Zayden's advice again, which is a theme in this book. And he asked her specifically before he left, stay out of the revolution's actions. Don't try to get yourself involved. You have to learn how to block yourself out from Dane before you get involved, basically is what he said. And she's like, nah, screw that. I'm going to go ahead and butt in and mm -hmm. do what I can. Because, you know, why wouldn't you? And where does she go first? Where she's the most comfortable? She goes to the archives and she's researching anything she can. And it's because it's her biggest strength. It's knowledge and she wants to know what's going on. So enter chapter eight and we... Begin chapter eight on conscription day. Fast forward to Parapet where all the new first years are there. Violet, Rhiannon, Riddick, and Nadine are all assigned to take the names of the new candidates. Do, do, do. Yes. <laughs> all right. We meet King Teori's third son, who's going by the pseudonym Arik Greycastle, which is very dashing, if I do say so. Though his real name is Cam Arik Teori. Teori? I say Towery. Anyways. <laughs> Towery? I actually like that one better. I say Towery. <laughs> but I also say Eric. Real name. Not Arik. I think I like Arik better. So Arik Towery. Okay. Well, okay. we're just together. <laughs> Teamwork two, makes the two, dream two work. can make it right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what the heck is going on though? Why is he there? Why is the king's son there? And Violet and Jane have the same exact question. Like, what the heck are you doing here, bro? And then, of course, we meet Sloane who is absolutely livid at Violet and blames her for Liam's death. Collectively, we're wondering how the heck she even knew, but, you know, save, save tomorrow's troubles. Anyway, she says, Liam was worth a dozen of your kind. I hope you spend eternity paying for what you cost me, what you cost all of us. And then we get a knife to the heart. <sighs> yes. 
Yes. And we also find out that Sloane is definitely not deaf. She's actually quite vocal about how passionately she hates Violet. So here's theory number two. Very wrong. (laughs) Broken. Broken theory. That's okay. They're still fun to theorize. But yeah. She still reluctantly puts her hair back in a braid when Violet tells her to at the parapet. She's not, she's bent about it though. Yeah. She's pissed. She's like, I'm going to put my hair up, but it, I, I'm not I'm doing mad it for you. about it. <laughs> for me. Yeah. So Violet's like so much for like the big sister approach. I guess it's going to be like harsh, going to keep you alive, whether you like me or not. Teacher method, you know, which is kind of the method that Mira took with Violet and it worked out pretty well for Violet, the big sister, harsh, big sister approach. Yeah. But that's just not what she yeah, had envisioned. Yeah, you're right. I, I think that's a good point. So it's it's not a method that Violet's unfamiliar with. And <laughs> no. she's like, I'll do this. If, well, I can go there if that's where we're going, Sloane. And then Sloane, at um, formation, she's assigned to first wing, but Dane pulls a Zayden and has her assigned to Violet's section. And in my opinion, it's our first indication that Dane's redemption arc is coming. Of course, Sloane, being the saucy little sister that she is, she refuses. She puts up a fight, but she doesn't have a choice. And Rhiannon, like, isn't standing for it she's like no you're gonna come over here and you're gonna be and you're gonna shush about it okay <laughs> when she gets moved into their section that's when violet kind of makes the comment about her hair still being braided so she calls that a win she says she might loathe me but maybe she'll listen at least enough enough to stay alive <laughs> yeah in the same breath we learn that sawyer is rhiannon's executive officer and we all celebrate and we <laughs> We Sorry. We love it. No, I love so I please do more of that. Anyways, we love it. Sawyer, we love Sawyer. We think it's a great choice and he deserves it after everything he's been through. I mean, he should be a third year mm-hmm. if we think about it. Mm-hmm. And we arrive at first formation. We meet Soulless. And you know, now that I'm saying that, he is kind of soulless. Hey. You know what I'm but um, bum. I see what you. He's did a there. one-eyed orange <laughs> decker tail, and he's got zero mercy. Okay. Side note: We also learned that Kath, Dane's dragon, who's a red sword tail, has very stinky breath. And again, that's not a throwaway line. Why is Kath stankin? Anywho, Solus clearly has Daddy Atos and Colonel Varish's interests at heart when he torches half of a squad, including Sierra who was at the Battle of Resin. And we can't help but wonder if this is all on purpose because we get a feeling at this point that that, the Resin squad, is getting targeted. It's getting picked off. Mm -hmm. But alas, our favorite dragon, Taren, comes to the rescue and tells Solus that he will take his second eye the same way Mm. he did his first. And off Solus flies like the coward he is. Tail between his legs. Yes. (laughs) Whew. Chapter 9 has another pretty interesting epigraph, though, Heidi, don't you think? Very much so. All right, epigraph. And in the mountains of the Steel Ridge Range, the green dragons of the Uinolds... Shoot, I even looked up the pronunciation of this. Uinoldsig. Uinoldsig. Anyway, known for their keen, (laughs) yeah, known for their keen intellect and rational countenance, offered their ancestral hatching grounds for the good of dragonkind. And the wards of Navarre were woven by the first six at what is now Bisgaith. War College. That's from United Navarre, Grado Burnell, curator of the Scribe Quadrant. A couple of things I want to note from this epigraph. Later on in the book, I think it's chapter 18, they give several like first curator, 
12th curator, 27th curator, like some other numbers. They don't give any kind of descriptor for this curator. So we don't know. We don't know when it was. We don't know when this actually happened. Other things we don't know. We don't know where the Steel Ridge Mountain Range is. And we don't know what is meant by them actually offering it. Was the veil initially used only for green dragons? Right. So is the veil previously the green dragon's den and they donated it and it became the veil? Or was it somewhere else and then they gave it to someone else and then came to the veil? Um, I did look up the Gaelic name and translation for this place that I can't pronounce. Name? You in? You in is. Wainel's dig. Wainel o digs. I don't know. <laughs> Noodle. Oh, anyway, okay. You in. You in is Gaelic for green. Lodzig is Gaelic for lodging. So it, I loosely Lodzig. translate that. You for said it green. good. Thank you. Well, when I break it apart, it's a lot easier. That was way better than whatever the hell just came out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, um, anyway, I take that to like loosely translate as... We don't find that on the map. There's like nobody, nowhere on the map that Mm -mm. says that, right? Which is very annoying. If it's, it seems important. Mm. Why isn't it labeled, Rebecca? I agree. (laughs) Okay, carry on. (laughs) Chapter nine, we see... Violet's nightmare show up for the first time. And yikes, I guess uh, trauma will do that to a girl, but uh, they're pretty they're pretty scary. They always feature a venom, but she perseveres like the baddie she is, and she takes up more training with our favorite sarcastic rebel, Imogen. Mm, we love her. Can we just have a round of applause for mm. her? I, I just love Imogen. Seriously. Gosh, you just love her. Seriously. Let's uh, pause here, though, and talk about Professor Devira, because at Battle Brief, she has a scar on her face and she tells them about the battle that she was in and enter professor Markham, who we all are suspect of by now, by the way, like he is dodgy and slimy and we know that he must know about the wards. We know that he must be the one Mm -hmm. manipulating the propaganda that he's teaching the class. We know that he knows stuff. He knows the truth of it all. And he just manufactures these lies. But anyways, (laughs) professor Devera is is kind of a good guy. And I just want to point this out, Heidi, because you kind of predicted this in our fourth wing episode. Mm-hmm. At least, you know. At least I got something we can, right. We can mark that a win. <laughs> yeah. We can mark that a win. I'll take all the wins I can get <laughs> because there's not very many. <laughs> the chapter ends with a little, another little plug about how Nolan is struggling. doing something. Yeah. It's struggling, man. Something's going on in the infirmary that keeps that guy busy and exhausted. Mm -hmm. Enter chapter 10. Epigraph for chapter 10 says, It is not unheard of that a candidate enters the writer's quadrant having been paid to assassinate a cadet. I'm sorry Mira was targeted, but proud to say she dispatched the threat quickly. You have enemies, General. This is a notice from Commandant Panchek to General Thorngill. Yeah. I mean, this is... Jaw-dropping. Yeah. We know that the assassins that are coming in this year are from Daddy Atos, and we know why. Mm-hmm. Why, yeah. when Mira was at Bizgaith, was she already being targeted in assassination attempts? Was it so, just solely because she's Lilith's daughter, or was there something else already going on? Yeah, there, there must have been some. And, and something that I just noticed as you read this just now, 
it, the language, it's not unheard of that a candidate will sneak in to assassinate a cadet. Remember, you're not, you're a candidate before you become a cadet. Once you walk the parapet, you're a cadet. So I wonder, I wonder, is it a younger person? Right. I don't know what the other quadrants have. Yeah. Huh. Good catch. It's amazing what reading something seven times will do. Seventh time will get you. <laughs> seventh time. You'll see something. Seventh that's, time that's is the, the charm. That's the thing about this book. Yeah. This book, Iron Flame and Fourth Wing both have the that effect of like you read it a million times and you pick something new every time. Yep. So anyways. All right. Chapter 10. Enter Sloane onto the sparring mat. And man, she's got some work to do. <laughs> And uh, she's getting her ass handed to her on the mat, really. Mm-hmm. She's not wanting to take anyone's help. Like, she's stubborn as a mule. And quite frankly, I'm relating to this because if my husband tries to offer me help that and, and I don't ask for it, I will be Sloan <laughs> and be like, can you just... I, I do not accept your help, Mind your nor do I need it. I will, I will rather get my ass handed to me on this mat than admit that I need help from you, person who's annoying me right now. <laughs> That's what I think Sloan's doing. (laughs) Yes. But that's way less important than the giant ogre of a first year who snaps Nadine's neck like a twig when she imitates being Violet. Like, whoa. Yes. It's mentioned at this part of the book that this giant ogre of a first year is a first year who threw another scrawny first year off the parapet when they were crossing. Hello, Jack Barlow. Dick. He whispers that secrets die with the people who keep them. So we know. He does whisper that. And so we know that he's a daddy Atos messenger, if you will. He's a hired assassin is what he is. Mm -hmm. Just from that little quote. Violet, however, can fight her own battles. Thank you very much. And though he does some damage, our girl comes out on top. And she finds Zayden in her room later that day. And he is not thrilled at the wounds (laughs) at the state of her he's upset and he's like let's go see nolan but no we can't go see nolan can we because he's busy surprise surprise nolan's busy he Mm. has a waiting list um a couple of notes about this whole scene with the fight and nadine he this first year unknown first year killed nadine without a second thought not knowing who like had it been violet for real she'd be dead later in the book the Venom very specifically want to keep Violet alive for a reason. So he, I feel like it's safe to assume that this first year is not taking direct orders from other Venom. However, it is also very specifically mentioned that his eyes are quote red rimmed as though he's on some kind of drug. I think he's Venom. I think he's Venom too, because this is exactly how Jack was described. I think he is sent there. He's there because of daddy Atos, but is Daddy Atos then working, like, has have his own agenda when it comes to Violet? Because otherwise, the higher-ups right. in the Venom world want her alive for a reason. So, there's just a lot to unpack. And, of mm-hmm. course, it's too early. why would Chapter we have 10? answers? You barely opened the book. <laughs> Chapter 11, let's get into that epigraph, though. This epigraph says, Garrick has always been my best friend. His father was my father's aide, which in a way makes him my Dane, except trustworthy. After Liam, Bodhi was and still is the closest thing I have to a brother, perpetually tagging along a step behind. This is recovered correspondence from Lieutenant Ryerson to Cadet Sorengale. 
Do you get a stab in your chest when you read recovered correspondence? Like I do. Way more questions. And I literally went through like the who, what, where, why, you know, like all the questions that we learned to ask in elementary school. Why is it recovered? (laughs) Who recovered it? When is it recovered? Uh, what you are, are you killing doing us, Rebecca? Rebecca. <laughs> it's oh my gosh. Uh-huh. So in the new edition of Fourth Wing, there's a bonus chapter from Zayden's point of view, chapter nine, that says him and Garrick are mutually assured destruction against each other. But we still, we still don't, don't know, know Garrick's signet. Garrick's signet, and I really don't know what this really means because it, it. He says it makes us perfect sparring partners. Why? Why? Does that make them perfect sparring partners? Why are they... Is he a light wielder? Can he throw sunlight? To to Zayden's dark or shadows, maybe? That's the only thing that comes to mind as a hint to his signet. We know everybody's signet. Why don't we know Garrick's? I just... It drives me crazy. I don't know. I don't know. And Rebecca Yaris, if you're listening... Rebecca's you a bone, man. For the love... <laughs> Of Earth. Get Garrick yeah. and Imogen together. Ugh. For Pete's sake. For goodness grief. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. But Garrick and Zayden have been friends, been homies. Yeah. They're they're bros. All right, continuing on with the chapter. Imogen and Violet are getting pretty close at this point. We love to see it. And one morning they run into our favorite scribe, Jacinia, who seems to be genuine when she's helping them out. Like she's really concerned too. And I feel like just as important in this revolution as Violet is because she's the knowledge wielder, if you will. Uh, She's delivering books about the original six writers. And we learn that Imogen knows sign language. And if we're going to fast track, like everybody knows sign language except Sawyer. I don't know. I wonder if it's just sort of like, uh, you know, canon in their world that you learn it, you know, and maybe I'm making more of a big deal of it than it should be made of. But all the, the marked, marked ones, ones do. do. Yeah. Zayden does. So is there someone that was part of the initial rebellion that was like close to all of them that needed to, that they needed to know sign? Yeah, maybe. That's a good, that's a good theory. But uh, it doesn't explain Riddick, I guess. So anyways, they're talking, Imogen. And this is a really good scene, by the way. I love how Imogen's mm-hmm. kind of protecting Violet in this scene from the scribes because scribes historically we learn are not the friends of the writers so imogen's like no i'm gonna be i'll be here Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. which i really love about imogen agreed so we divert our attention from the conversation they're having to write a writer being dragged by two other writers behind professor markham and jacinia kind of cowers and she's like that's because of me that's because Mm -hmm. I recorded what he was looking for, basically. Like, I have a duty to record what books people request. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know what book he requested, but it was enough to draw the attention of Markham. And enough to be punished for it. Mm-hmm. And fast forward to the study session, and we learn that Riddick knows his way around a map. I don't know why. that was. There was a lot of conversation around yeah. this, so I had to plug it in yeah. here. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen national treasure but the part where this little sidekick guy i don't remember his name and is like is this what it feels like when i know when you know something that i don't know like let me just bask in the glow <laughs> of knowing something that you- yeah maybe that's it maybe <laughs> i that's love it so much he's like strength. you you don't know this I, I don't know i just love it <laughs> oh yeah riddick's just cool anyway i love yeah. riddick did you see the Rebecca Yaris interview where she's like, I, Riddick's my favorite to write about? And you about can tell it shows because his his snark and personality is like everybody's favorite. And so it shows. I, I'm glad that mm-hmm. 
I'm yeah. glad that she likes writing him because maybe that means she won't kill him off. <laughs> right. You better not. We write at dawn. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but <laughs> I do love Riddick. I don't feel like the series would be the same mm-hmm. without him. Because you need you need a little softness, a little humor in these dark stories. It's the balance. We want to talk about balance all the way through. Mm-hmm. So anyway, fast forward. They're walking up to the flight field. Varish is inhuman, greasy ass. Demands that Andarna show up for flight lessons to Violet. Violet ignores him, but she knows that she's going to pay the price for it later. And Varish greasily mentions that, oh, Violet, your dad, he was, he's writing, he was writing a book on the feather tails. And isn't it just so ironic that you bonded one? And where is she? I, I need to see her. And like, and Darna's this huge intrigue of Varish. And she's like, no, humans mm-hmm. can't command dragons, but I guess I'll take the punishment. Varish sucks. Mm-hmm. Bodhi's there. He's her new protector, which we love. And Bodhi and her continue to walk up to the flight field. And Bodhi's like, hey, uh, by the way, can you pass this message to my bro, Zayden? And don't worry about it. It's just, you know, we're just talking about stuff. Don't Nothing that concerns you. And we know it's like a rebellion, a revolution message, right? And in true bro fashion, mm-hmm. he slips and mentions the caddy ex-girlfriend, Catriona. Mm-hmm. And right... <laughs> And so Violet's like, what the, what the hell? Anyways. And then he's like, oh, just forget that. Just, is there any way you're going to just for, forget that? Any, <laughs> any chance you will just conveniently forget that in the next however many hours you oh, have nothing else to think about on your dragon right. while you fly there. So here's some, here's some yeah. insider information. Yeah. Oh, Zayden's ex-girlfriend. And then the third is... Oh, also, everybody that was at Resin has been, like, fending off assassination attempts. So, anyway, see you later, Violet. Okay, good travel. <laughs> like, thanks for those bombs, Bodie. Good grief. <laughs> oh, geez. But, so they're still together. They're walking. Violet's sort of like, what information dump just got my, my head is mush. Like, really? <laughs> and then Varish comes back with his uh, minions. To search Violet's bag. Mm-hmm. They don't find anything worth finding. But uh, interesting that they're going to start searching her. Mm-hmm. And then Violet. Yes. This is kind of our first hint that this is probably going to yes, be a recurring thing. Totally. Yeah. Searches. And they kind of knew. Like Bodhi and Zayden knew that she was going to get searched. But didn't tell her. This kind of mm-hmm. pisses me off too. And I don't think it's cool that she was sort of went into this search blindly. And they had hints that the search was going to happen. Lame, Zayden. I think it is lame, but also I don't know if it was done purposefully so that it was a genuine shock for Varish to see. You know, like her reaction was like genuine shock because at this point we don't know what his signet is and maybe Zayden and Bodhi do and they know like what he potentially depending on yeah. her, how we don't know her shield strength either like depending on what he sees is, yeah in her, that's true they don't like, know her shields yet mm-hmm. maybe there was maybe maybe i'm giving them too much of the benefit of the doubt too yeah. i don't know we tend to do that with people we love and we land in chapter 12 wait 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 zayden killed someone during threshing for bullying garrick this is just uh it talks about it starts this chapter talking about Zayden killing someone during threshing for bullying Garrick. We know from the 
kind of teaser on the back of Fourth Wing. Do you know what I'm? I've never heard this. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just start from the beginning. It says, "Quote: Anyone else feel like changing their mind?" Zayden shouts, scanning the remaining rows of cadets with the same shrewd gaze of the navy blue dragon behind him. No, excellent. Roughly half of you will be dead by this time next year. The formation is silent except for a few untimely sobs from my left. A third of you again the year after that, and the same year last year. No one cares who your mommy or daddy is here. Even King Towery's second son died during his threshing. So tell me again, do you feel invincible now that you've made it into the writer's quadrant? Untouchable? Elite? No one cheers. Hmm. So, Hmm. we know... That Towery's second son was killed during threshing. We know that Zayden killed somebody during threshing. And we know later in the book that Zayden killed Towery's son. But we also know that Towery doesn't know it's it's Zayden. No. We also know that Zayden called the person that he killed. Or he called. Sorry. We know that Zayden called Towery's son, the one he killed, a cowardly murderous prick. So... We know, like, did he actually kill somebody? But is he the one who was bullying Garrick? And that would absolutely yeah. set Zayden off to kill him, especially mm-hmm. during threshing when it's like ruthless behavior. If anything, behavior. Zayden sticks up for his people. He protects his people. Yeah. At all costs. I went I went down the, uh, the black hole it. on that one. Cause... You gotta. You gotta do that. And honestly, same. We would have done that too if we were at threshing and we saw our, our bro. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Upon arriving at Zayden's post in Samara, Violet doesn't find him. Where is Zayden? So she reaches into her little brain and finds the bond and follows the bond to him. How romantic. How romantic that she can do that. And where does she find him? Oh, she finds him shirtless, fighting for a chance to take some time off to be with her. Cue the steamy makeout session, of course. And he has a room to himself. How convenient for us that he has a room to himself, which isn't so bad. But he does mention that Garrick has to bunk with four other writers, which is kind of a bummer. We don't really know where Garrick is, but at least they're still in contact. Then the conversation ensues about the wards and everything Violet's doing and all her research and how they're made and how Zayden is in the know about imbuing daggers with magic and that's the reason that they can kill venom and this short little time they get together is just full of information sharing which i which i love Mm because they're they're working on their communication you know what i mean (laughs) Mm -hmm. slowly Slowly but but surely and then chapter 13 has a pretty interesting epigraph take us away Though the chain of command may be consulted, the final say in any academic punishment of repercussion lies with the commandant's office. That's from the Dragon Riders Codex. Panchak is the commandant. Varish is the vice commandant. So he doesn't really have to report to anyone for his... This kind of gives us an idea that all the punishment Violet faces in later chapters was authorized by Panchak. Unless yeah. there's something we're missing and Varish was acting out of turn, which could totally also be possible. That he's acting on his own and Panchak yeah. doesn't even know yet. I don't feel like that's the case. But, but otherwise, I... why would this this blurb be in there? So chapter 13, Violet is back at Basgaith and Varish, the vice commandant, has her punishment picked out and ready to go. Uh, and Darna no-showed again. And 
she's ready. She's ready for it, but she's still a little nervous because while he's doing his punishment, he makes a comment or he, he says, you'll both be indispensable once you come to heal. Yeah. When my first read, my understanding of this, I thought he was meaning Violet and Andarna. Um, Violet. Well, yeah, I thought he was talking about Violet and Taryn specifically when he says both Mm -hmm. after a reread and after knowing what's coming later, I I think he is talking about Violet and Zayden coming to heal. Yeah, so I can see that. So Varish's punishment to Violet is that she has to wield lightning basically until she burns out or it gets so close to burnout that it's that that we're scared. She has to just strike after strike after strike after lightning strike. She has to keep going and going and going and going. And she's that last strike. If you remember, her hands were were in the air shaking and she couldn't stop it. It was just like a continuous lightning strike. She couldn't let it go. Mm -hmm. And she gets so close. And finally, Professor Carr is like, you have to lay off because can you imagine what Melgren's going to do to you if you kill his greatest mm-hmm. weapon? He doesn't give a shit about her, like her humanity, but he's like, she's going to be a weapon for us in the war. Do you really want to keep going with this, Varish? And so he he lays off and then Taryn picks her up and dips her in the icy cold river. And Imogen, Bodhi, and Aya just happened to be waiting for her by the river, but she was she was mm-hmm. in bad shape. She was it was hard to see. I hate that he uses her signet against her. It just it makes you question like using your power. And I uh-huh. just it's like the ultimate. Yeah, and Taryn's so pissed about it. Taryn is Ugh, yeah. upset about it. But yeah. the show must go on. So we fast forward into the sparring mat again. Sloan is getting annihilated on the mat again, refusing to take anyone's help again. So stubborn. And as they're leaving the sparring room, Violet, Rhiannon, and crew are caught off guard. Mm. And this is, it's so crazy when you think about this whole chapter because she was tortured by using her signet forever, gets like a day's reprieve. And then dun, 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 bags are thrown over the whole crew's head as they're leaving the sparring gym. <sighs> Thanks, Barish, for your very it strategically seems, right. timing. It seems on purpose by Barish. Yeah, totally. Enter chapter 14. Surprise. It's RSC, Writer's Survival Course. They are in a strange place. They come to after being, you know, subdued with bags over their heads. They're given water skins. The water skins just happen to contain an elixir that cuts them off from their dragons and their signets. So they're in this dungeon. There's also infantry there. There's also a scribe there. There's also healers. Like, what the fuck could this be? One of the notes from this, when they first come to, Violet reaches out to Taryn before she drinks the elixir. She reaches out to Taryn and asks, what is this? And Taryn's answer is, quote, the course humans wouldn't have to take if they would simply stay seated known as rsc like i know he's a grumpy but he's right guy but he's any yeah he's not wrong but also like i know you're grumpy but don't be a dick (laughs) (laughs) but i mean to his credit like you wouldn't have to take an interrogation class if you were on your dragon's back the whole time right (laughs) so they have a mission 
they're in this room with the infantry, with the scribe and the healers, and their mission is to make it to this certain point, the meeting point. Infantry is given a map. The writers are given a map. And they just bicker, 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 bicker. Little do they know the maps don't match. Of course, they're bickering about where's this and where's that and where are we? Anyways, along the way, they run into Bade, who is Jack Barlow's orange scorpion tail dragon. And it's tense. Like the writers Mm -hmm. protect the infantry and the healers and the scribes. And they were like, do not run, do not run, do not run. Mm -hmm. Someone runs. And I think an infantry soldier runs after them. Bade chars them. They die because why would we (laughs) expect a character that we just met to stay alive? Rebecca (laughs) Yaras. Yeah. And that's where the the chapter ends. We enter into chapter 15 and they get nowhere. They're still bickering about the maps, but Rhiannon does kind of take the opportunity to call Violet out. Like for the first time in the book, she's like, Hey, knock your shit off, man. We know, we know, you know, something's up and this distance game's got to stop. When you're done with the distance game, you, you come on back. I'll be here. Mm -hmm. Specifically says, you know, what's out there. Like she, she maybe doesn't know what she's actually referring to when she makes that comment, but she's on to her and she says, you know, what's out there. Yeah. Um, A quick thing I want to add when we go back to, to Bade about, and how he showed up. Mm-hmm. I feel like this was, should have been our first clue that Jack was not dead. Right. So, well, not dragons don't always die when their rider dies. They don't always. They and don't if you always. remember the quote in Fourth Wing, it was, well, when we were introduced to Bade and Jack's bonding, Taryn or somebody oh, that mentioned that they had, Bade had bonded like four riders before Jack. Like he does, his yeah. bonds are weak. Oh, that's true. Okay. Maybe we shouldn't be reading into that at all. Yeah, but so this one wasn't true. surprising to me because Bade's a weak bonder. And he bonded a shitty human. So Yeah, and he, maybe he needs like um, a Viagra for for bonding. No? <laughs> Inappropriate joke? Okay. Yeah, yeah Moving probably. On. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, so the crew finally gets rescued and the mission is a failure because they didn't make it to the meeting point. But the good news, there is an elixir for that, or there is an antidote for the elixir that they took. So they're like, thank goodness, they are reconnected to their dragons. Dragon. Yeah. They are reconnected and they have their signets back. And but all is... I mean, it's shitty to know that there's an elixir. Oh, yeah. But at least they know. Like, I think um, Violet even says at some point, she's like, if I can get my hands on that antidote, I can probably figure out what's in it. Because she oh, thinks yeah. she's still a master. Uh, she's a poison master. She's a poison girl. Chemist. 16, take us there. Epigraph says, my dad hoped I'd go into the infantry like he did. He thought writers were pompous pricks, and in his defense, we really are. This is from recovered correspondence between Zayden and Violet. Fucking recovered correspondence. I hate it. (sighs) Anyways, but Fen Ryerson was infantry. And I don't know about you, but like knowing that kind of makes me respect him a little more. Oh, totally. That's a a tough quadrant. Sure, it is tough. But it's also infantry in for Bazgaeth is if you don't make the like if you can't pass the test to get into the writer's quadrant, you go to the infantry. So it's kind of like that's true. Your boots on the ground. You're hardworking. You're grimy to me. 
I like that Finn Ryerson was in the infantry in the hardworking, grimy kind of bottom of the, not really bottom of the barrel, but you know what I mean. Like they're not like usually the like elite guys. They're not held to esteem the way writers are. Finn Ryerson is still the leader of the rebellion. So he's in the infantry and works his way up. So yes, I totally agree. It makes me respect him. Yeah. A little more. Yeah, for sure. Because for some reason, I thought maybe he was a writer too, or just like a rebel that didn't go to Bazgayath at all. Or I guess I didn't think about it as hard as Rebecca Yaros did, which is why she is where she is. And I am. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 16, scooching along. Jacinia has a little rebellious streak too, because she's been protecting Violet from notice. And not recording the books. You mentioned this earlier, not recording the books. She's been requesting about how Mm -hmm. the original six built the wards. And Mm -hmm. she is totally open and agrees to help Violet even more. Good news. We we love Jacinia, basically. I'm feeling like we can trust her. Mm -hmm. On to the sparring mat. And Sloane is getting ready to square up and get her ass beat again. We wouldn't expect anything different at this point. But not to worry, because Violet's little poisoning tricks are back in action. They've made an appearance. (laughs) You know, when they're on the sparring mat and Sloane's losing, basically, Violet blows the little powder into Homie's face and Homie goes down. Riddick and Rhiannon are on the sidelines and they tell Violet again that Nolan is in bad shape working on something in the infirmary with the grease ball Varish. But back to Sloane, still not accepting that she lost on the mat, Violet sneakily says, hey, why don't you train with Imogen and then I'll give you Liam's letters. One letter a week. And Sloane's pissed about it. Imogen's like, yeah, girl, we got her. We got her. And she says something so funny. She's like, you're you're fucking clever to Violet. She says, you're fucking clever. I bet you keep him constantly annoyed. How glorious. How glorious. <laughs> I love it. I do too. <laughs> I love Imogen. So then Jacinia's coming through with the knowledge. (laughs) But this is also just a quick note because it goes, it goes back to the epigraph and them talking about how writers are pompous pricks. Those same pompous pricks don't ask scribes for help. They don't really ask for help in general. They don't feel like scribes can be helpful. This is really showcasing Violet's scribe side because not only is she asking for help, She's showing less of her pompous prick writer yeah. side mm-hmm. and she's showing her scribe side because she is absolutely willing to ask a scribe for help. No, I agree with you. I think that's I think that's one of Violet's strengths in the writer's quadrant is that she can ask for help when the other writers yeah. are stubborn, like Sloan, yeah. who's a natural writer, apparently. Apparently, except for the fighting part. <laughs> we learn from the books that Jacinia is supplying that mm-hmm. General Daramore is the enemy named in the oldest tomes. Who is General Daramore? Is he Venon or is he just a king that supported them? Or who is this person? I feel like we're going to circle back to this one day. Today's not the day, but worth mentioning. Yep. So they keep up the good, the the rules. Jacinia and Violet keep up the rules. They exchange books every week. Jacinia is learning about the fables of the Baron. Violet's focused on the wards and the original six. She finally gets to Zayden's post. But can't see him because he's busy. Because typical Zayden. I'm just kidding. Not typical Zayden. They are keeping them apart. He's busy. He's on the. Uh, op- he's in the op center doing something, and and we can't help but think it's on purpose that they can't see each other. Like the separation is on purpose, and we're sad because we were looking forward to that. Here we are in chapter 17, and we open with Imogen and Violet, favorite duo, 
we increasingly love to see. And Imogen is spitting straight facts. This, this is when Imogen was like, hey, I'll be your girlfriend for a couple minutes. Go during the walk. And Violet like jumps on it and she's like, oh, Zeta and, and his secrets. I can't take it anymore. And Imogen, I can just see her rolling her eyes. And she says, yes, you didn't want normal. If you did, you'd be in a relationship with Atos or hell anyone else in this place. But you wanted Ryerson. If you didn't think the man was hiding more than a few battle axes, then you're mad at the wrong person because you lie to yourself. Like mic drop Imogen. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then and I love how the battle axes analogy is going to come back later in the book it's like one of my favorite scenes look <laughs> so yeah we get, i guess we'll get to that but it it has life now the battle axe, <laughs> the battle axe <laughs> image in our minds and then imogen was like listen quit icing your friends out like mm-hmm. quit doing that go talk to your friends just because it works for zayden does not mean it's going to work for you exactly you do what you gotta do oh i also want to say during this conversation violet was like hey imogen do you i i spilled i spilled my tea Imogen, what do you got? You want you want to talk to me too? She's like, nah, nah, dog. I got Quinn. Quinn's my friend. You go, you go talk to your friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. So anyway, so Violet's like, all right, I'm gonna just ignore Zayden's advice. I'm not gonna ice out my friends. I'm gonna go talk to Rhiannon. So she goes out to Rhiannon. She's throwing out a bid, and Rhiannon is distraught. She's like got this missive in her hand and she's like my border village at Montserrat is full of infantry and this public notice is going around warning villagers that they shouldn't let strangers in and then professor markham comes in and catches wind of the missive grabs it out of her hands they were planning on giving it to him anyway but he like snatches it like a little snatchy toddler and he dispels all yeah he's lame First, he opens with this ironic quote of lies are powerful tools, basically saying that this this public notice was a lie. But really, what he's doing is lies. And in our humble opinion, it's Professor Markham who is indeed the tool. The tool. So then she goes to Jacinia, who gives her the same exact message that Imogen just gave her. It says, trust your friends, Violet. Mm. Quit. Like, you need your friends. Yeah, at some point, at some point in that chapter, Vi- or uh, Jasani asks Violet if she's sharing information with her squad mates and knows that she's being secretive. Oh, yeah. This is also the first time that she kind of hints at Sawyer. So, oh know. yeah, <gasps> that's Those right. little cuties. I know. We love it for them. I just, I love, I love a good love subplot. Anyway, Heidi, take us to chapter eighteen. All right, chapter 18's epigraph says, It was only when we pushed the wards to their true limits, extending them far past what we first thought possible and to what I now question as sustainable, that we define the borders of Navarre, regretfully knowing that every citizen would benefit from their protection. This is from Journey of the First Six, a secondhand account by Segar Olson, first curator of the Scribe Quadrant. Translated into the common language by Captain Madeline Calros, 12th curator of the Scribe Quadrant. Translated and redacted for academic consumption by Colonel Phineas Carland, 27th curator of the Scribe Quadrant. Come on. I mean, lost in translation. (laughs) Seriously. It's like so much he said, she said. Yeah. Back in chapter nine, we talked about a curator that was mentioned that it did not have a 
number attached with him being the curator. In this epigraph, we get not only several numbers, we get a secondhand account from the first curator, followed by a language translation. So what was the original text? Like what language was the original text in and why is the common language been changed? Like what was our timeline there? Mm -hmm. So we have a first curator, 12th curator, and a 27th curator. And which begs the question, yeah, what, what number is Markham? Because yeah, and why what is number it is Markham for academic consumption? Like what this is the reject? stuff you teach. Look, yeah. we, I mean, we're dealing with this in real life. Like, why are we changing? You can't change history. History is history. Right. It's written by Carry the victors. <laughs> Bring in some hunger, hunger Games. History is written by the victors. Okay. <laughs> Eighteen opens up with Zayden finally shows up. And catches on to Violet's research. Why can't that girl just stay safe? I imagine his frustration. Yeah. The fight ensues and Rhiannon, Riddick, and Sawyer knock on the door. And this is a funny scene because Zayden and Violet are like mental fighting without words. <laughs> and can you just imagine Rhiannon, Riddick, and Sawyer's faces so while funny. they fight? They're like, are they fighting without talking? So Rhiannon caught on pretty quick that they can do that, but Zayden tells Violet her friends are loyal and something tells me we know for sure they are because how he's, you know, Zayden is such a good judge of character. Mm, mm, how do we know that, Zayden? How do we know? How does Zayden know? <sighs> so <laughs> Violet has to return a book to Jacinia and Zayden, ever the protector, is insistent on coming with Violet. So... They go together to return this book to Jacinia and they run into Nolan along the way. And wouldn't you know it? He looks like shit. Shocking. He's been worked to the bone, but he does say something very interesting. He says, I suppose I could use some rest. It's hard work mending a soul. Been at it for months now. The fuck are you doing, Nolan? Come again. Mm. <laughs> like what? So then they finally yeah. get to Jacinia. Did you, do you have additions before we move on to them getting to Jacinia. No. Okay. No. They get to Jacinia. Zayden is his broody self and he knows sign language. Moving on. And then Zayden leaves Baz Gaeth without a goodbye. He leaves when she's sleeping. I, I'm just like, come on. I know. Can can you what hey babe, I'm leaving. A little stitch on the forehead. A little something. Like come on. It's not that hard, Zayden. Who taught this guy? <laughs> Enter chapter 19, flight lessons. Okay. Varish is like, oh, Andarna's not here. What the fuck? Why isn't Andarna here? I have another punishment in store because Andarna failed to show up yet again. Well, fuck you, Varish, because our favorite teen dragon is sleeping. Just let her sleep. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's wise words. Let the teenagers sleep. <laughs> but Taryn isn't having it. No, not at all. Taryn's like, listen, rather than letting Violet take the punishment for Andarna not coming, he decides, you know what? I'm going to go for Solus's neck. So that's what he does. Yeah. He takes Solus by the neck and holds him there. And the visual is Taryn's teeth digging into his scales and like blood dripping down Taryn's maw. It's like Taryn's got him. Taryn's mm -hmm. got this douchebag's dragon, Solus. He's got his like lifeblood under his teeth. Like, yeah, pull something. I, I dare you, Varish. Yeah, do it. And see what happens. And fuck around and find out. And yeah, we're in the find out portion of that. 
<laughs> and it brings Varish to his knees. Like he literally gets on his knees and apologizes to Violet mm. and then confirms what we already know. Humans do not command dragons. So then Taryn lets go of Solas and Varish jumps on Solas and they fly away with their tails between their legs again. 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 It's a beautiful sight. It does suck that it just like incurs more Varish wrath for Violet, but also, I mean, we just love to see it. It doesn't matter. And I think that's why Taryn kind of held off before because he was trying to not incur more wrath, but he's like, Mm -hmm. no, we're, we're done with punishing Violet. Yes. So they continue on to the flight field. Rhiannon again pushes Violet to open up. And we finally see kind of the side of Violet that's been compartmentalized, like this whole mm-hmm. part of Violet that's stricken with grief about everything that's going on. And it she comes close to telling Rhiannon the truth at this point, mm-hmm. but instead she just sort of spews this sadness onto her. Here's a quote from Violet. She says, and as horrible as it might be, and as callous as it might make me watching Oralee fall and prior burn prepared me for the moment I had to leave Liam's body on the ground and fight. And then knife to our chest again. And we're just sad because this is a hard existence for Violet. But we're, I mean, she is opening up a little bit, but we just see this box that she's put herself in to keep her friends safe at this point. Yeah. So chapter 20, we open up Violet's on her way to see Zayden and we have our fingers crossed that she'll actually get to see him this time. But surprise, Mira's there, her sister. And... (laughs) It's clear that she has no clue. Mira has no clue about the venom. She has no clue about the war. She has no clue about the wards, the protections. It's just kind of sad because Mm -hmm. this is another theory that died from fourth wing of ours. Yeah. (laughs) We're bummed that that Mira is sort of clueless about what's going on. But Zayden's there and they do get to see each other. But Mm -hmm. we do notice, this is the first time we notice that mysterious scar on, on Zayden's chest. It was not there before. Hmm. (laughs) Something to note in this part where they actually get to see each other. One of the things mentioned is that Zayden cuts through her shields like they're nothing. We find out later that Violet's shields are not that bad because Varish couldn't see her stuff. But Zayden cuts through them with no problem. So is he just that good? Is it because of their bond to the dragons? Is it because of a maybe later mentioned mm. signet you know we don't know <laughs> who knows um, but we just how you cut through those shields Zayden yeah <laughs> we're just I'm, just I'm just adding to the question list yeah <laughs> more nightmares show up during this mm-hmm. and he does mention that he has nightmares too well isn't that funny isn't that funny yeah. they love each other still so love is still love is still alive and well guys Getting into chapter 21, we're a third of the way there, almost, guys. Back to (laughs) Vazgaia. After a two-short visit there, we uh, land in Battle Brief, where Professor Devera is filling in for Markham and the rest of the leadership because they're gone. No one knows where they went, but they're not there. Mm -hmm. But she takes her opening because she has them to herself, and she has such a great conversation with them about everything... She wants to talk about everything reunification cost. She wants to talk about mm. what it costs, not just Navarre, but the whole continent. Yes. And she hints at where her loyalties lie. If we didn't already think she was a keeper, I feel like she further proves it here. Yeah. She is, Isn't this where she 
talks about stories like that were like from where she's from. Oh yeah. And, and everybody kind of raises everybody their hands. Has, yeah, everybody kind of has their stories and they didn't make it into Navarre, but they are still kind of passing down their own histories from their villages or wherever. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I really like that part. It yeah. just shows that, you know. Yeah. And this could also explain why Rihanna knew about the venom through stories like yeah, that. Yeah, or the, the fables. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And unsurprisingly we get another hint that nolan is doing some fishy shit because why wouldn't we get another hint this chapter (laughs) (laughs) yeah something is up so after this zayden leaves a book of knots in violet's room to keep her mind busy but it's actually a book of runes like the knots are in shapes of runes Mm -hmm. and how clever how clever of no of zayden to give violet a heads up there always three (laughs) steps ahead he always is three steps ahead (laughs) and then we enter into the sparring gym again where they spend a lot of time and dane makes an appearance and he is about over Violet dodging him. He's about done with this game. And what better way to get Violet to talk to him than challenging her on the mat? So he does just that. And he says, I will not touch your face. And and Violet's like, if you do, I'll, I'll end you. Don't touch my fucking face guy. And he's like, I won't. And he doesn't. And he swears it. And he swears up and down that he did not know what was waiting for them in Resin. We don't know if we believe him yet, but he's pretty authentic when he says, I don't know what was waiting. Mm-hmm. For, I don't know what I didn't know my dad was doing that, basically. Mm-hmm. Rhiannon witnesses the whole thing. She she sees the she sees it all and again calls her. Rhiannon is very observant, by like, the way. What a good friend, though. Like, mm-hmm. you need friends that are going to, like, push you on your shit and not just totally. be a yes man. Yeah. So I just freaking love her. I know. I feel like I'm just repeating myself but yeah. oh, man we love reading. hash hash ham hash hash ham that's the thing <laughs> hashtag team rhiannon okay yes <laughs> so she's catching on rhiannon's catching on she's like something's fucking up you like you know something that we don't know you have mm-hmm. knowledge that you're not telling us and it's why you're icing us out but you know who does know what's going on Arik. Arik knows. Arik knows about the venom. Arik knows about the war. Arik knows about the wards. Arik knows about it all. Violet's like, you know. And Arik's like, why do you think why I'm you here? Mm-hmm. Bro, why, why do you think this is, that you're seeing my body right now? So it's getting good. It's getting good. <laughs> Take us oh. to 22. The 20, chapter 22 epigraph says, at some point, probably during your second year, you'll realize the trust you feel for your friends and family has nothing on the loyalty you develop for your squad. That's from the book of Brennan, which begs the questions. Again, adding to the list of questions. Brennan's a mystery. Yeah. yeah. You want to talk about secrets? Yeah. Who was his squad? Who did he leave behind when he kind of faked not like quote unquote faked his death. Yeah. Who was in his squad and was Naolan in his squad or was Naolan not in his squad? We don't, I don't feel like we have any kind of hint at this. I, for some reason I had, and I have no like receipts to back this up. I do not feel like Naolan was in his squad. I feel like Naolan was a little bit older. I don't know. I don't know why I feel that way. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Something's up though. There's literally no mention of anybody that he would be close to. Like he's on an Island yeah. In Arisha, 
Like no, he doesn't, nobody even knows who he is there, but there's nobody even at Baz Gaia that has like even hinted at the fact that like they knew who his squad was. They knew who he was close to. Like people know that Violet is his little sister and nobody talks about his squad. And I just like, he's the one who points out how close you get to your squad. And I right. just think it's interesting be interesting to know, know if any of his squad it. is in Arisha with him or if they're yeah. still on the other side or what's going on. If yeah, they're out at outpost, like if they're fighting this. But they were fighting together. This is why I think they might have been on the same squad because they were fighting together when Brennan went down and then Nailin resuscitated him or like mm-hmm. basically reanimated him after he died. <laughs> so whatever that final battle was, they were together and the squads usually stay together. So that's why I think maybe they were on the same squad. But okay, I don't... That's fair. But I also think that Nalon is a mender and we know that menders are at outposts. So Brennan could have been stationed somewhere. That's why they were together. Oh yeah, that's true. I feel like it can be like, we just, I feel like we have no clues as to how they met how close were they? Which I we think will they talk were kind of close. They were, I think they were close. We so love love. anyway, We've gotta love the love. Chapter 22, Violet is plagued with more nightmares. Does anyone notice that her nightmares happen when Violet, when Zayden's around? Does anyone notice? Just me? Okay. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> they are on their way to the forges. So Zayden's like in this crazy turn of, I'm going to trust Violet with some rebellion knowledge. Zayden's like, let me take you to the forges. And they're in Basgaeth. So Zayden came here to see her. And he's like, I'll take you to where the luminary is, where we're forging weapons to fight Venon. Violet's like, word. Let's do this, bro. And they go. She's all hyped so that she's like finally giving, like throwing her a bone. Yeah. And then then they get, they get interrupted by uh, Varish. And they're like, hey, it's uh, time to start the interrogation portion of RSC, the writer survival course. Oh, of course, Varish, even though you're not the teacher of that course, but you seem to take a keen interest in it. Yeah, let's uh, go and good timing. <laughs> Off they go. Uh, yeah, they come to come to get. They had to kind of ambush Violet because they couldn't get into her room. To so it's assumed that they took the rest of the squad out via their rooms, but they couldn't get into Violet's room because of Zayden's wards. So they kind of had to ambush them. Zayden. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Gives her some little fucked up encouragement and says the, that she is breakable like he, he kind of yeah. yes your body is breakable <laughs> they can you are you not up, so yeah. he's he's giving her all the like you're a tough baddie encouragement even though your yeah. body breaks and i actually so. love that encouragement from him because her whole, whole her whole life she's been told she's breakable mm-hmm. and he's the first that's like yeah maybe maybe your body is but you aren't but you're not like fuck it and i mm-hmm. love that cuz that's what she needs yes Enter chapter 23. The interrogation portion of RSC seems pretty cozy at first. There's snacks and a bathroom and uh, secrets. Everybody's got to spill a secret. But the water is funny. It smells funny. And just before one of them takes a sip, Violet's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow mm-hmm. your roll. This is the elixir that cuts us off from our dragons. They gave us all these stale ass crackers so that we'd be thirsty as hell and guess what this water is something that we can't drink so Mm -hmm. 
buckle up buttercup because nobody's drinking water until this is over. (laughs) And they're all like, deal, we're not drinking water. So thank goodness they're not cut off from their dragons. They're not cut off from their signets. And they do not break after that first round of torture where basically it's only Violet getting tortured in front of her squad, but nobody breaks, which is nice. And no one, no one's shocked. Let's be honest. We we knew they weren't going to break. Yeah, we did. They're They're the iron squad. they're They're, they're too good. So on to chapter 24, you want to take us to the epigraph? Yes. It says every few years, a squad comes along that defies all expectations They rise through the ranks, secure every patch, win every challenge. And then they inexplicably falter, then fall. They call it the burnout effect. They flare too fast, too bright to sustain the pace. Sad, really, but mildly entertaining to watch them turn on one another. I did not write where that came from. (laughs) I don't think that's our iron squad, though. But it also alludes to the fact that even the best, even the mighty can fall. And so, like, do... Of course, we all think that they're not going to falter, that they're too good for that. They're too strong for that. But is it too fast? Is it too soon? Are they too bright? You know, like all of the... Right. It makes us question them for sure. Yeah. So they're still in there. We enter chapter 24. We're still in there and enter Dane. Varish gets Dane to come in and tries to get him to read Violet's memories. Mm-hmm. And it gets tense. Like we're all like on pins and needles at this point, but he refuses and he pulls out some rule from the codex and is like, nah, I'm not, no, I'm not doing this. I I'm supporting my right to refusal. I'm not going to, I'm not going to par- partake. And we all sigh in relief. Like, thank goodness. Yeah. It's the, it's the start to his increase to his redemption arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's ramping up for sure. Yeah. They call Nolan in to mend her. Nolan does mend her, but he also gives some cryptic shit, right? Of course. Why wouldn't he? (laughs) (laughs) He does throw him a bone, though, when he comes in. He mentions that he's mending someone else. He he feels like he can't do anymore. So he kind of pulls Varish from the room because they want to have a private chit-chat. He says, I believe he says, we're running out of civilians for Nolan to mend up to this point. What? We are thinking it's all Jack, but what, why, why, like what's happening? This, but them stepping out to, to kind of have this chat is what leads to our next, like the next yep. major part of this chapter. So Varish has more torture in store, obviously, after Nolan tried or tired and exhausted, mends her. Mm-hmm. And that moment that Nolan takes Varish out of the room gives our squad the moments they need to take the chance mm-hmm. to escape, which they do thanks to Sawyer's metal bending and Violet's mm-hmm. magic imbued dagger that unlocks doors. Thanks, Satan. And Three steps ahead. I know, right? <laughs> and a sigh of relief. But Violet does ask some significant questions about Varish. I mean, the most important question that has not even been addressed yet. Like, what the hell is his signet? Like, what is this bro's problem? It's no, it's no good. That's what it is. Let's take let's take it to tw- 25. Okay. Chapter 25, <laughs> Epigraph says, sorry, I was getting there. Says, if we ever choose to invade enemy territory, which we don't, I would choose Zolia as my first target. 
Take out the Cliffsbane Academy and you take out years of Griffin Riders in one strike. That's from Tactics by Lieutenant Liren Pancheck. It can Pancheck. be assumed that this is Commandant Pancheck as we know him now. This was before his promotions. Yeah, before, yeah, before he rose in rank, this is him saying, yes. let's take out Zolia. So this, I want to make a couple of points real quick about Cliffsbane Academy and Zolia and Samara, like all of these locations that are kind of down in this area. So we know that Zayden is stationed in Samara. We know that Varish came from Samara, killed three people, came to Vesgaith. Mm-hmm. This is the same post. Samara is the same post that Melgren sees for the final battle. If you look at the, the map of the continent, Zolia and Cliffsbane Academy is at the mouth of the river as it flows into the continent up to Samara. So they're kind of downriver. Samara is downriver from Cliffsbane Academy. Mm-hmm. That river is where Bravik Province comes together, Peromiel comes together, and mm-hmm. Navarre comes together. Kind of a major meeting point. Yeah. All of this is... It is all. I just feel like it's all so important. Um, it comes like that runs from the Bay of Malik, yeah. goes by Spain. It borders the Barrens. We know that this is all going to play a part later. Uh-huh. This epigraphs, man, they just give us like they do. And if we remember, I think it was like page twelve or something. It lists all the places that the Venon have sacked so far, and they're all along that river. All of them I are have along it. that river. We will get there. I have it all okay. noted later. So we will get there. All It's all just important. I feel like it's important to notice now because of what we're going to get into later, even mm-hmm. though it happened at the beginning of the book. You know, yes, whatever. it's important. It's important. No, it's important until so, later, though. Chapter 25, their great escape makes them, the Iron Squad, our victors once again. I'm sure Varish is pretty pissed off at this point that they escaped, but we don't Hell really yeah. know that. It's just an assumption. But they're donning a new patch because, you know, they get a patch when they do shit like that. And they make their way to Battle Brief, all high and proud. And they only get there to notice a notice <laughs> on their chairs. <laughs> to find a notice, yep. Proclaiming that Zoila, or is it Zolia? What it's is Zolia. It? It's Zolia. It's the L, L comes I first. Meant, I read Zolia. it wrong. Uh, the home of the Griffin Flyer Academy has fallen due to blue fire dragons. But alas, we all remember that passage a few chapters back that told us that there are two different kinds of venom, blue fire and green fire. And we know that wasn't really dragons, right? We know. Mm-hmm. But Professor Markham comes in and like the true politician that he is makes us all think we read it wrong. Blue dragons. Blue dragons would never have done this. This is silly. And for the ultimate distraction, guess why Nolan's been exhausted and Varish's project has kept him busy in the infirmary? Who makes an appearance? Jack fucking Barlow. Oh my gosh. This cannot be good. No. Well, no. No, it definitely is not good. Especially Nolan has already talked about soul mending. Is he was he really trying to mend? jack fucking barlow's soul like why i know it's it's an unredeemable soul yes yeah yeah Uh, violet is really kind of showing off she's flexing her scribe quadrant muscles here because she totally calls every like rihanna asks her like what would you do if you're trying to 
get us to forget about this information. And mm-hmm. she does, she goes through the discredit, deflect and distract. And that is exactly what he does. He discredits yep. the propaganda. He deflects and takes away, like collects all of the leaflets so that nobody can actually prove wording and then distracts with Jack Barlow. So it's just like, she calls it, it's fun to watch it in action. I just love to watch her little brain work. She, uh, she totally does. She calls it in that chapter. I remember. Yeah. Take us to 26. All right. Epigraph in chapter 26 says menders are not healers. Healers are bound to the codex of Crichton sworn to aid all in time of need and never to harm a beating heart. Menders are writers. They are only sworn to the codex. They can as easily bring harm as heal. It's from Major Frederick's Modern Guide for Healers. So as we see with Nolan bringing back Jack Barlow, it does look like menders indeed can harm as much as they can heal. Yes. The third and final blow of Battle Brief in chapter 26 brings us to Samara. Again, we hear this town, this Mm -hmm. outpost, and it was attacked. And we love Professor Devira because she tells us that Mira is in fact okay, but she signals to Violet that Zayden isn't. And Violet bolts. Taryn is ready. Taryn's like, get on my back. We got places to go. Who gives a fuck about getting leave, about Varish's torture, about any of it? She's like, I am out of here. She has to get her ass to Samara and make sure Zayden's okay. And that's exactly what she does. The major thing that we learn here, and it kind of goes back to the epigraph, we learn that there is, or we find out, I guess, that there is a mender at the Samara outpost. With the only menders that we have had had encounters with so far are Nolan and Brennan. But there's another mender at the Samara outpost. Yes, chapter 27. We get into Violet gets there. She finds Zayden. But he was mended. So, but I want to, I want to, maybe we should talk about this because there might be a mender at the Samara outpost. Yes. But he might've been mended elsewhere and brought back to Samara. It just says he was mended, but we do kind of get the assumption that there's a mender at the Samara outpost. Mm -hmm. And if it was Brennan, I feel like he would have said Brennan mended me. You know what I mean? Yes. And he didn't. So it had to have been a different mender in my mind. Yes, agreed. And enter the tense communication hills that these two are climbing. (laughs) She loves him so much, but she still can't say it out loud, you know, (laughs) but they finally give in, you know, and yada, yada, yada. Violet says it again that that's uh, our Zayden says again that Violet will be the death of him. And I hate when Zayden says this because Rebecca Mm -hmm. Yaros, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? recovered correspondence violet's going to be the death of him could you just stop could you just quit it i need a break from all of the ominous deaths okay rebecca (laughs) and we're entering into chapter 28 zayden takes violet to the drop you know the drop where he's supplying the flyers with venom killing daggers and even though Taryn won't let her dismount, she can still hear everything. She is still very much a part of the drop community. <laughs> like whoever Zayden's meeting, she can still see them, hear them, talk yes. to them. Okay. And who is there? Who do we meet finally after Bodhi's little drum? Yeah. Drum. Uh, after Bodhi's little bomb <laughs> drop? It's Catriona. 
Catriona, Zayden's catty ex girlfriend. And do we sense jealousy? On both their parts? (laughs) Yeah, we do. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Women, man. Women can be it's I'm I'm older now, so I don't feel that anymore, but man, in my twenties, damn right I would have been. (laughs) Zayden makes it perfectly clear to the flyers that Violet is not up for discussion because they they try to bring her up, but Zayden's like, "Ah, ah." conversation squashed. But we hear that name again, Viscount Takaris, and we get the sneaking suspicion that the Viscount has an unreasonable asking price to help the revolution, and that asking price is Violet. Does does Rebecca Yaris know how to leave a, a chapter in a way that makes us want to read the next chapter? Yes, yes. she does. Yes. <laughs> uh, chapter 29. Isn't jealousy a fickle beast? Because here Violet is stacking herself up against Catriona. But being the badass she is, she shakes it off pretty good. She does. Yeah. I think it's a kind of a temporary shake off, but, but she also gets yeah. a little talking to from Taryn in this. And I have to quote a few things that Taryn says because it's so good. And it's I like, life lessons that we need in in real life too not just in the book i need to hear it too taryn. <laughs> yeah he's just preaching so taryn violet is kind of having this inner monologue with herself she's like shit what is this jealousy anxiety insecurity taryn says all three to which i remind you that not a single dragon chose her you were selected by two pull yourself together pull yourself together violet <laughs> at one point she's she's thinking again but at one point Zayden chose her and he says at one point he just compared Catriona to Gruel and it just made (laughs) me chuckle he says at one point you thought Gruel was a satisfactory meal until you grew some teeth and found the rest of the world's food waiting he says now cease this line of thinking it does not serve to make you stronger say it again for the people in the back Taryn Thank you. He's like, listen, you cannot, ki- you can't keep eating chopped liver after you've tasted steak. You just can't. No. Once so- you've had a fillet, there's no going back. Okay. So <laughs> exactly. Get your shit together. You need to let it go. Taryn, yes. We love you, buddy. We applaud you, yep. Taryn. <laughs> All right. After this, Violet catches Zayden up on everything that's been happening in her world in Vazgaeth. He gives her a dagger because uh, she didn't put her flight leathers on because she ran out of battle brief, you know, and jumped on Taryn so she doesn't have a jacket. Zayden's like, here, take my jacket and take this dagger. And back to Vazgaeth she goes and she knows she's about to face some shit because she left pretty abruptly. Yes. And so she's wearing Zayden's jacket. She's almost made it to her room. And wouldn't you know mm. it, who's waiting for her? Isn't that funny? Mm. Varish is right by her room. And Rhiannon peeks out and was like, oh, shit, I see what's happening. Our favorite professor, Kaori, stops the interaction in its tracks. He comes to the defense of Violet and puts Varish in his place. A couple little highlights that I would just love here like we knew she we know she's coming back to a shitstorm because she dipped without leave she knew she messed up taryn knew she messed up they just tried to get back as quickly as possible she lands in the field taryn takes off she stops to talk to emeterio who is with other first years they're doing the gauntlet gauntlet practice i i love this he like stresses all of the like 
if I had a non, if I had a favorite student and they were walking into this mess, I would have them stress the undimmable bond of her legendary battle dragon. He also mm-hmm. hints at another favored student who should be working with her to strengthen her shields. It's like all this, like, you know, coded but not coded uh, language. Emeterio. Yeah, we love you, Emeterio. Okay. We do. We love Kaori <sighs> because, okay, she gets back inside. <laughs> Varric has already confronted her, as, as you said. Kaori steps in. A couple things happen here that I kind of love. So... Varish starts to quote the codex, like how she ways that she messed up. Violet is actually like, yep. um, actually, it's the second section. You're wrong. We love her little snarky, smart girl attitude. <laughs> She's like, Varish, if you're going to punish me, do, do it, it for the right, right reason. Fucking rules. <laughs> okay. She corrects him again because one of the things he's trying to get her in trouble for is for um, impersonating an, an officer. She's like, actually, this is this jacket. My my clothes have my name on them. I'm not trying to impersonate anyone. She has not one but two jackets because if you recall, she left with Bodie's oh, jacket. Bodie. And she comes mm-hmm. back and Bodie gets or uh, Zayden gets pissed about it. And I kind of I remember he got a little like, jealous about it. Who's, and she's like, Who do, he, whose jacket do you think I'm wearing, you dum dum? A little a little jealous never hurts no. Zayden. A little, little jealousy never hurt a guy. So she has Bodie's jacket. She has <laughs> Zayden's jacket and still she's like I am not trying to impersonate anyone here I am Carrie just is like sticks around for this whole little mini interrogation that Varish is trying to pull off Carrie straight up is like yeah I think you abuse abuse your power and then he says that Carrie went to Pancheck before Violet even got back he tells him she has a very powerful very worried very mated dragon Pancheck agreed, cleared all charges. So this for me is where Pancheck is like not privy to what Varish has been doing because yes. Varish is kind of acting on his own accord and is just trying to keep it a secret. And because Pancheck, like she, she, she didn't get in trouble. Ooh. Period. So that's what we know. Heidi, this is yeah. good. This is good because earlier we were like Pancheck is the one that doles out punishment. Yeah. We were like, Panchek must be in on it if he's like cool with Farish being a but dick. Is he? And then here we see mm-hmm. that maybe he's not in on it. Mm-hmm. This is a really good call out. Nice work. <laughs> I have my moments. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Varish does not find the dagger hidden in Zayden's jacket because our girl Rhiannon all of a sudden can pull shit through walls. And she wasn't able to do that before, but... Right? But she pulls it through the wall because Violet kind of like looked at it, was like, look at my shoulder, like get that shit mm-hmm. out of there. And then it's gone. It's not in there. Hmm. How'd she do that? How'd our girl do that? Yes. We, I mean. I we have theories. We we'll get, to, we'll get yes. to those. We'll get to those. Yes. This will come up But again. I think this is a hint. This will come up again. Let's get to chapter 30, though. Let's keep the ball rolling. Uh, Epigraph says, barring invasion, only writers and designated scribes are permitted in the writer's quadrant. To enter uninvited as infantry or even healer is to welcome a swift death. From Article 2, Section 3, Code of Conduct. Her squad has been loyal and patient. Rhiannon just rescued her ass with this dagger in her jacket. And they deserve to know the truth. 
which Violet finally gives them. I love it. She spills the tea. She tells her squad everything. And Rhiannon, Sawyer, and Riddick are taken into the fold of this happy revolution Iron Squad family. They know about everything now. They know about the Battle of Resin. They know about the Venom. They know everything that's happened since then. They know that Varish is out to get her. They know that people are coming after the marked ones that were at Resin. And there's assassination attempts and that she's working with Jacinia to figure shit out. And not surprisingly, they're like, we're in. We're down. Didn't even like bad and down You know, like it's like they didn't. Cool. I'm sad All that you feel deck. like you could tell us. We are so Let's happy. Let's fucking go. We love them. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, what the fuck took you so long? Yeah. To tell us. <laughs> and it's kind of a like wake up call, reality check, whatever for Violet because. This is, like, all the reasons she's pissed off at Zayden because he had all of these, like, like exact secrets and he never told her. And so she's pissed about it when she finds out. Meanwhile, her loyal as hell squad finds out and they're like, cool, how can we help? They're the best. Yep. They're the fucking best. Yep. I love the Iron Squad. Now, I had a theory back in the Iron Flame days. Nope, fourth wing days. Thank you. <laughs> fourth wing theory was that Iron Flame was going to be about getting the Iron Squad mm -hmm. on board. Mm -hmm. And it came that's that's one we'll check off as true. Yep. Even though that's not what Iron Flame means, but whatever, we'll get into that yep. later. <laughs> All right, back to the archives, which surely hold the knowledge that they're seeking and we need Jacinia. Without Jacinia there is no knowledge. No. And the book is moot. This whole thing falls apart. Yeah, Jacinia, she's so important. She agrees to help and keeps providing the squad. The whole squad now is all hands mm -hmm. on deck in the archives mm -hmm. and reading these books. But not before another, another <laughs> assassination attempt on Violet's life. The way it worked out was she's like, hey, Riddick, I got these books to return. Riddick's like, you get to your post on the turret. I'll take the books back. Violet's like, cool, meet you there. Violet boogies on up to the turret and she's like, why is it so quiet? Mm -hmm. I remember she's like, why is it so quiet around Super here? Sus. But yeah, but on I go up to the turret. She goes to relieve Aya, who's on duty. And wouldn't you know it, four infantry soldiers bust on in and attack them both. Aya is killed almost like in a couple paragraphs, like mm -hmm. she, she gone and we lose yet another writer who was at the Battle of Resin. And this is important. We're reeling. Yeah, this is important because of our epigraph at the beginning of the chapter. It specifically states, barring invasion, only writers and designated scribes are invited. Otherwise, welcome swift death. So we now know that these infantry, these four infantry were invited. They, they tell us they were invited to assassinate. Violet. How did they get in otherwise? They didn't sneak in. Infantry aren't that. Daddy Eidos is at it again because he invited more people. It could have been Varish too. She's probably in the background. It's like bad guys in the movies. He's Daddy Eidos is in the background like, why won't you just die? Yeah, he's puppet mastering <laughs> shit. Yeah. For sure. Okay, anyway. Who takes us to chapter 31. Yes. Epigraph says, everyone thinks most writers 
cadets die from dragon fire. Truth be told, it's usually gravity that gets us. That's from the book of Brennan. I kind of want to touch on, I maybe just hint yeah. the relationship between Naolin and Brennan. Yeah. Again here, because this is the book of Brennan and he's saying gravity gets us. This is going to be important when we are, we're talking about theories, but they just throw that out there. Moving on to chapter 31, how we get going is seconds before the, the, before Violet is thrown off the turret by her assassins, the assassin is murked, like done. He's, he's gone. And she's like, what, what happens? And she's pulled to safety by none other than Jack Barlow. What? Mm -hmm. Where are you here? Because I read this like, I know he's saving her life. I, I read it a couple times because it was like, wait a minute, what just happened? Yes, he kills the assassin and saves her life. She makes a couple of very specific ob observations in this portion. She talks very specifically about his eyes. She men mentions his icy blue eyes. There is no mention of bloodshot red rimmed eyes, etc. You're right. There's so many things that could be like juggled around here maybe nolan mended his soul he is no longer venom maybe they figured out a way to to cure it or subdue it or whatever but really i kind of feel like he is an, an initiate and we'll find out all of the the venom ranks later but i feel like he's an initiate he hasn't drawn power in a while so his eyes are clear maybe he's more clear-headed that's why he saves violet but really mm -hmm. i think he just saves violet because the higher ups want her. I think it's such an important point that you brought up that his eyes are not red rimmed. They're icy blue. And he seems genuinely like I'm saving he you. Really you know, I owed you one. You owed me one. Like we're even or whatever mm -hmm. he said. And we know that Nolan has been healing him. And it gives us a little bit of hope that there is maybe some control to be had for Venom at this stage mm -hmm. from a reread perspective. Cause we still don't really know that Jack's Venom until the end, yeah. but rereading this, we're like, okay, so there is some maybe. hope yeah. here. All right. Riddick walks in late. He was just returning books and he had a good conversation with Jacinia that he wants to share with Violet, mm -hmm. but he's like, that's gotta wait. Cause now I gotta, I gotta be a support system for my girl who's in shambles on the floor, like reeling from what just happened. Aya lies dead. Jack Barlow saved her life. Like we cannot go on like this. You mm -hmm. know, they calm down and Riddick is finally like, Jacinia found a tome in the archive that could hold the original journals of the first six writers. She knows where we can find them, but we need an heir to the king to get into this tome. Riddick is all bummed. But wouldn't you know it? Riddick, Riddick is all bummed delivering this news and Violet's over here like, oh, hey. And Violet's like, Cha -ching. <laughs> yeah, th that's totally right. She's like, she's like, oh, I know. I know who we going to tap into for yeah. this. Dun, da, da, da. He's in the next room. <laughs> <laughs> Enter chapter 32. Zayden is finally back at Vazgayet. And the info dump that Violet gives him <laughs> is just like, hey, listen, I told all my friends about what's going on. And not only that, but I told the scribe what's going on. Who's the scribe helping is us. helping us. We know what's going on. 
Oh, and the king's son is here. You remember the king's son? You know, you killed his brother. He's here. He's going to help us out. And can you imagine? Zayden's like... It's just like blow after gonna... blow after blow. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to kill her. I'm going to kill her. Like, <laughs> the description in the book is like, he's just standing silent. Clenching like, his jaw. His jaw clenched. <laughs> he's so annoying yes. and then it's like so oh yeah annoying. Quinn knows too but that wasn't my fault like oh, <laughs> Imogen told her that's I would fault. never <laughs> listen Zayden I would never tell Quinn can you believe Imogen did that he's uh, <laughs> unreliable I, never, right? <laughs> I know oh my gosh so great uh, such an awesome amazing scene she's like telling him about books and he she and he's like okay after all of these bombs and he's just like, okay, let's get some books. And he's like, wait, you're not gonna, you're not gonna argue with me about books. And he's like, me, argue with about books? I only pick fights yeah. I can win. <laughs> At least he has got some brains in there. I know he's like he's just come to full circle that Violet's not gonna listen to a word he says, <laughs> and that's just the way life's gonna be. Yes, for him. Yep. All right, sorry, carry on. <laughs> you can't choose who you love. <laughs> All right, so obviously he's not happy about the plan. So Violet's like, look, we got to sneak into the archives and we got to break into this tome that only Arik can get into. Mm-hmm. And you're coming with us and, you know, you got to play nice. So Violet, so Zayden's like, um, I'm just not going to argue. Wait, here's what we're going to cool. do. We're going to yep. do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What they got to do first, though, is convince Arik, because Arik doesn't know this plan yet. Yes. So Violet's like, Arik's going to, he's going to be fine with the plan. He's going to be fine. We're going to go get him. It's going to be no big deal. We're going to talk to him. And Zayden's like, yeah, let's see how that works out. Little did we know (laughs) that they have a little bit of a history. And Arik's like, fuck this guy. He killed my brother. Mm -hmm. And Zayden's like, fuck your brother. I'd do it again. I'd do it again. I'm not sorry. (laughs) you're right he's not one to say sorry no (laughs) no and when he does it's usually a conditional so eh. the main question this brings up Ark really hates zayden for killing his brother and he still specifically says that he hates his dad more so i mean he had to do some real foul shit for Ark to hate him that much and i want to know what rebecca all right a few a few pissing contests later between these two and the archives doors open and we meet Jacinia and she's like, we got a plan. Let's do this. They're going to get into the secret chamber of King Tauri where the journals are hidden. The journals of the original six writers and specifically Lyra and Warwick. The only person that can access the chamber is Arik. We know. And he's in tow. We convinced him to come. They make it to the doors leading down to the secret chamber in the archives. And the tension begins. Chapter 33. Arik goes into the wards. <laughs> And grabs Violet's hand and pulls her through the wards too. And Satan is pissed. Pissed. We did not see this coming. But they begin their search. Violet's really good about like disregarding like Zayden's hissy fit and just like we we got a job to do. And Zayden's out there just fuming that she's in there, which is kind of a fun scene. Eric and Violet are looking and looking and looking and time is not on their side. They can't find the journals of the first two writers who built the wards and it's coming down to the wire and we're all on pins and needles. Time is running out. If they 
miss this opportunity and don't find the words or miss their opportunity to escape the archives, they'll be trapped in there and probably die. I don't think it's a probably. So they die. Like it's legit. They die. It's a hard, it's a hard deadline. <laughs> it's tense. Reading these tense scenes is so hard for me sometimes because mm-hmm. it's like, I want to read faster, but I can't. I can't physically make myself read faster because I'm just a slow reader. They find the journals finally, but Arik has to reach through another ward to get them. And in the process, his hand gets burned. And we don't think about it in the moment, but there might have been like an alarm set off when this ward mm-hmm. went off. Anyways, his hand gets burned. He pulls out the journals. They put them in the cream colored mm-hmm. scribe bags and off they go. They're running, 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 running. They're trying to make it out of the archive. They have like eight minutes before the doors close and they have to get their butts out of the archives before those doors close. Zayden makes it to the doors first. He's holding the door open, pulls everyone through, everyone through. Whew. Chapter 34. Alas, they make it out by the skin of their chinny chin chin. And we learn that Quinn, <laughs> you like all that? <laughs> is quite the badass. <laughs> not only can Quinn astral project but she can astral project as someone else and as multiple someone else's so she, Quinn was their alibi yeah. Quinn was like Here, here's Violet and Rhiannon just walking through the courtyard mm-hmm. that was super rad to me when I Heck read yeah. that yep. <sighs> but they're safe Yes, they're safe when we find out that Quinn astral projected of all of the people she kind of gives us a quick little info dump. That's part of it. What her, the kind of bonus features to her signet. Cause she tells us that her dragon was also her great aunt's dragon, but it's also the first time we learn that dragons don't use. Well, maybe it's not the first time, but we learn that dragons don't usually pick somebody within the same familial line. It works for Quinn because she's not a direct descendant. That's why she didn't actually get maybe a second signet, but has just kind of a amplified. Oh, I used that word. Yeah. <laughs> a bigger signet. <laughs> so now we have two people that are marked ones that are in the same family. That we know of. Yeah, that we, that we know of. Yeah. But alas, they got the journals, okay? And just to be on the safe side, Zayden has to leave early so he doesn't get searched. He takes Warwick's journal yep. and boogies on back to Samara so that he can avoid the search. Violet takes the other journal and it's still in a scribe's bag, that cream colored bag. And she's cruising along thinking she's going to make it to her rooms. And she's almost there. Mm. She's almost to her room when she runs into Nolan, who's like, oh, hey, Violet, look, I brought you some lemonade. I know it's your favorite. And Violet's like, oh, this is weird. But yeah, this is my favorite lemonade. Chug, chug, chug. Oh, my God. The betrayal of it all. It's so hard to take. Nolan drugged her with the elixir that cuts her off from Taren and the power and all of it. We're heartbroken. This is one Nolan, like, this you one traitor. Hurts. This one hurts a lot because this one hurts, man. I think I said it in our initial reaction video or our initial reaction episode. Like Nolan for me was like a second father figure or grandfather figure, like something along those lines. Like she put so much. He took care of her and mended her for so many years. And this really is just such a stab in the back. Like, what a dick. I, 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 it made me so, this I was so disappointed. Betrayal. So fuck it. Fuck that guy. 
Chapter 35, take us there. Epigraph says, the only signet more terrifying than an intrinsic is a truth-sayer, and we let them live. That's from Major Ephendra <gasps> in her unauthorized guide to the uh, writer's quadrant. I mean, I know we've already talked. We don't know who Ephendra is. We don't is. know who Ephendra Still. is, and we don't know why her shit is unauthorized. We need answers, Rebecca. Yeah. She wakes up underground. Violet wakes up underground. So she was drugged and taken somewhere. Varish's minion, Nora, happens to be there. And wouldn't you know it, her signet is truth-telling. She is a truth-teller. But Violet is very clever with her words, very clever with her answers. And she gets kind of away with not breaking because of that. Initially, yeah, for sure. But it doesn't save her from torture. And Nolan's betrayal still stings. And we learn Varish's signet, Mm -hmm. which is he sees people's weaknesses. And isn't isn't that just so on point for this dude? Like, it's so fitting for him. The whole premise behind people's signets being who they are at their core, like... This is it for this him. Like he's he sucks so much, and he doesn't care. He doesn't care about the yeah. people. He wants to know how how best to kick them when they're down, defeat them. I know. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Like the most important thing you need to know in your soul is how how weak people are. Yeah. Like how shitty. But Liam is there, mm. and Liam is comforting oh, her. Liam. And I know. Oh. We love Liam, and I'm glad he made an appearance yes. again. But whether it's a hallucination or a real visit from a spirit, no matter what that is, we feel his comfort for mm-hmm. her just as much as she does. Like, and he stays with her. And cue all the tears. Yeah. I'm glad he's there with her because I don't know how she would be able to take it without yeah. him. But Varish still isn't done with her after five days of torture. But she still has not broken. She still has not said a word. But on day five, he brings in Dane. He brings in Dane to read her memories. And we all just get a little bit queasy. We all like at the thought. internally panic. <laughs> Liam's still with her, still comforting her. And he, she even says, like, I feel Liam's touch. Mm-hmm. Dane reaches for her temples. And... Violet manipulates the memories he sees Mm. and takes him on a journey. Violet's like, all right, Dane, you want to see what's really going on? Let me tell you it all. Here's the battle at Resin. Here's the blue fire venom that were wreaking havoc. Here's Day and Liam's tragic death. Here's Mm. how I felt during that. Here's all the torture that Varish has put me through in the last five days. She takes all that emotion Indeed. into and like shoves it. She just push. She pushes mm-hmm. it into him and love I it. Do too. And Dane pulls his hands away from her temples, and he sort of blinks. And he's like, he turns to Varish, and he spills the beans. He's he knows. He looked past the memories and he knows enough to implicate her, to cause her death, to cause the death of all the marked ones and to ca- and to know everything about the revolution. He knows he saw it and he tells Varish everything. And Dane sees a knife, a dagger on the table. And he's like, let me just examine that dagger to make sure it's the one that I saw in my memory. Varish is like, okay, cool. Here's the dagger. And he holds the dagger to Violet's throat. And he's like, I can't believe you did this, Violet, you piece of shit. And then he just whips around 
like cool whip whips <laughs> around and stabs Varish in the side. And his redemption arc has reached its peak. Yes. Dane is saving the day. And we celebrate. I cannot believe it. He, it's amazing. It is. It's amazing. Our, our, our hope in humanity is restored yes. in the Basgaith world. It's so, so well done. <laughs> I just. So he frees Violet from her bindings, gives her her blade back and is like, we have to fight our way out. I know you're feeling weak right now. I know you just got the shit beat out of you for five days, but we got to get we out gotta, of here. We're about to battle our way out of here. And he goes to Nora and he's like, look, if you let us pass, I'll let you live. And Violet ain't, Violet's a little bit more like Zayden than we give her credit for because she's like, nah, I, I ain't about that life. That's not her that slit his throat. That info is wrong. <laughs> Who slits Nora's Zayden, throat? That's when he shows up. Zayden doesn't slit Nora's yes. throat. Violet no. does. <gasps> Heidi. That, okay. We're going to have to circle back to this because I know for sure Violet was I like, went back. Zayden hasn't even showed up no, yet. No, I went back and reread. It's literally when he shows up in the hallway. And it says his, like... In chapter 35. I'm already right here. Hold on. Okay. Okay. Dane turns to Nora. Let us pass. You'll live. He holds the blade steady. Hooks his other arm. He hooks... Dane has his arm around Violet because he's still holding her up. Mm -hmm. She whimpers at the pressure against her cracked libs. Limbs. Gosh. It goes to the next paragraph. Quote, I make no such promises. The low menacing threat weakens my knees a second before a hand with a dagger reaches around Nora's throat, th- slicing without hesitation. Zayden shows up in the hallway. It's Zayden. It is, because then he falls, blood spewing. She Violet then looks up into gold flecked onyx eyes. So Yeah, I gave uh, Violet that credit when it should have been Zayden. Thank you for correcting me. Zayden, <laughs> Zayden definitely, like... Dane tries to do maybe a noble thing and say, I'll let you live if you, you let us pass. And they move in the yeah. hallway like, nah, fuck that. I'm not that nice. Look yeah. Throat, okay. The day. okay. Let's get into chapter 36. Zayden is there with his rage and his shadows. And this is a really, <laughs> this is a really fun part yeah. where Garrick's like super far behind and he comes running down the stairs and he's like, God's damn. He says to Zayden, <laughs> You took off running and then couldn't save a single one for me? Took me forever to clear the barricade of bodies in the staircase. <laughs> Can you imagine? Garrick's like super annoyed that he's like... You didn't let me kill anybody. Come on, bro. <laughs> yeah, like, what the fuck? I thought we were in this together. <laughs> but then Garrick and, and Violet finally, like, meet again. Yes, and Garrick is like... <laughs> I've seen you look better. Glad you're alive. Thanks, <laughs> asshole. I've just been. <laughs> Zayden confesses his love again. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's like the best. Which I love. We love Zayden for. It's the best love, the most best amazing love confession. love confession that you know we've it gotten really in a while. It's a good one. But they did it. They rescued her. They're escaping. They're running up the stairs, and who do they run into? A hey, general size general. <laughs> Yeah, words. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. No big of a problem. A general-sized one. (laughs) 
Lilith literally has him at the throat with a dagger. Because, yeah, that's right. Because she, like, ticks Garrick and Garrick's like, come on, buddy. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Little help. Oh, where at? <laughs> and they come up. And we get the info dump of the century. I will say that we learned that Lilith is the good yeah. guy. And she did everything to save her daughters. And we knew it all mm-hmm. along. I mean, come on. We, we never questioned it for a second. Mm, nope. She put Violet in the writer's quadrant because she knew Violet was strong, just like Zayda knows she's strong. And she's protecting her from Markham, who's a sleaze bag. And yes, she's cold, but in the best mama way in this world. Like if we were a mom in Bazgayeth War College, who knows what kind of coldness we'd pull out to protect her. She did it the best way she felt like that she could, the best way she knew how, given all of the all of the facts. This info dump is like, I feel like we learn a lot. She has a couple of really great quotes here as in regards to her kids that like my mama bear heart needed to hear. She says, when you have children, we can discuss the risks you'll take, the lies you'll be willing to tell in order to keep them safe. And then a little bit later, she says again, when you're a mother, talk to me about who you're willing to sacrifice so your child lives. I feel like we all, as a fandom, needed to hear this to know that she wasn't like the cold-hearted bitch that she portrayed herself as. Agreed. She gives us the information about Markham. Like, Markham thought that Violet was his protege. She was smart and clever enough. He felt like she was smart and clever enough to keep twisting and creating the blindfold that they chose to create hundreds of years ago. Like, this has been happening and Lilith put her into the writer's quadrant to give her the tools and chances to survive she knew that once she made a higher rank that Markham or that Violet would start to kind of unravel all the clues and she'd be killed for it Mm -hmm. I think this is what like how we know that Violet's dad was killed like he started unraveling all of these pieces and I think he's really dead. And I think he was killed for what he knew. I do too. It wasn't a heart attack. Like it said in, I think, I don't know, mid chapter, I think uh, Lilith says Violet's dad gave you all the tools you needed to survive and where to find them. Or maybe Violet says that. I don't know. But Lilith says Violet is all that's left of him. Then Violet makes a comment like, no, he is still around Mira has his laugh so kind of dumped some bombs on us for sure she just she was just like here take all this knowledge and then peace out (laughs) Violet and Zayden and Garrick are all running up the stairs they had just finished off Varish which is important to note Varish is Mm -hmm. gone Violet in all of her agony and all of the torture that she just went through she's like oh before we escape to Arisha we have to tell the entire writer's quadrant what's going on and give them a choice to come with us or not. <laughs> just a small little thing and to do. <laughs> just like one little thing we got to do first. And Dane and Zayden are like, uh, okay. And Dane's like, I'll call, I'll call formation because one of the info dumps that Lilith gave us is that Zayden's ploy to rescue Violet was dropping dead wyvern bodies all <laughs> over the border. <laughs> And we love him for it because he will go to no ends to rescue his girl. But like, damn, if that doesn't call leadership away yeah. from Bazgayeth, then who knows what will. So no leadership is there. So they're like, while everybody's mm-hmm. gone, let's call a formation. Mm-hmm. And all the writers go and listen to Dane and Zayden 
basically saying like, listen, they've been lying to us all along. This, yeah, shit's happening. The shit's getting real. There are weird fucking creatures out there that are threatening the whole continent, not just Navarre. And you can come with us or you cannot. It's completely up to you. And then Taryn shares a memory with all the dragons. And the dragons selectively decide who they're going to share the memory with. So some dragons shared the memory with their rider. Some dragons didn't. It just further it further proves the split with the within the dragons and within the Imperium. Yeah, there's something going on in the dragon world that we're not privy to yet. At the end of it, we got half of the riders, half of the dragons down and ready to fly to Arisha. Professor Devera comes with us. We, we love knew. to see We it. knew she would. We knew. Come on. We knew she would. <laughs> and then Jacinia and a few scribes tag along. We're happy and excited for that. And they're off. They go to Arisha. And oh my gods. Part one is over. <laughs> Part one is over. All right, we are at the end of chapter 36, and that ends part one of our Iron Flame deep dive. Tune in for part two, it's coming next. What a wild ride it has been so far. We are super excited that you listened. Thank you so much. We also want to put a plea out there to share our podcast. If you like listening to Heidi and I chitter chatter about books and want to help us succeed on this amazing venture that we have it would be really rad if you would just tell a friend that's all we're asking just tell one friend we want to grow our book club happy reading as always thank you for joining us on today's podcast look for us on socials we are on instagram and tiktok at booksnarkspod we are on youtube find us there leave us your reviews leave us your comments leave us your questions until next time